Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Good morning. It's my second favorite Sunday of the year. You got to go Easter as your favorite Sunday, but the extra hour of sleep seems to make everybody happier. It's now it's the opposite in the spring, but we don't have to think about that yet. So if you're here live, we're grateful. If you're joining us online, so glad that you chose to do it. Today we're wrapping up a series that we've called What's Her Name? And each week over the last couple of weeks is we've been looking at a different incredible story that features a different anonymous lady uh, doing something incredibly generous. And so today, we're going to look at one of the more well-known stories, uh, the story of the widow's might. If you have your Bibles, go over to Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Now, this passage of Scripture, it's, uh, you're, you're in a moment where you're coming close to the end of Jesus's more public ministry, and, and it's a time where things have gotten very contentious between Jesus and the religious leaders. There were two primary groups, uh, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They they were sort of kind of like our Republicans and Democrats. They had almost nothing in common. Their one thing they did share was they both liked to be against Jesus. And, And so Jesus has been in multiple arguments with these religious leaders, and that's sort of where we catch up in Mark chapter 12 and verse 38. It says, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces. And so, so they would have these outfits that would be a part of their religious observances that they might be leading, but they wouldn't just wear them to on those occasions where they were, uh, were, were uh, on duty or doing these religious practices. They would just wear these outfits all the time so everybody would know, hey, you're one of the religious leaders, so they would get credit. And it says uh, they, and they like to go around these flowing robes and be cr- greeted with respect in the marketplace and have the most important seats in the synagogues. Uh, uh, anyone here grow up in a church that had like big giant thrones on the stage? Church I grew up in had these big giant thrones, like big old chairs on the stage. And if you ever go walk into a church and they've got the thrones on the stage, that's a orange light, yellow light. But if, it's, if they're golden thrones, you wanna leave as fast as you can. That's a good rule of thumb. Never go to a church that has golden thrones on the stage. Bad signs. And it says they uh, had the most important seats in the synagogues and places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses. That phrase there, it could mean simply that they had a propensity to take advantage of widows. It could also be speaking, some scholars believe it's talking about um, when the original temple was destroyed, Solomon's temple was destroyed. There was this rebuilt temple under Herod that that had a larger footprint. It took up more land. And and so there's some believe there's actually an implication that there were actually some widows' houses that were taken for the purpose of expanding the temple. And so it says they they devour widows' houses and, and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. And then Jesus tells this contrasting story. So, so the, the first piece we see is, is that uh, the, these guys were, were, were doing what they were doing primarily so that they would get noticed now, but now Jesus tells a story to contrast it. He says, um, it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put 
and watch the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Now, the way it worked is uh, there was this kind of outer court, like this courtyard called the Court of Women, and there was these 13 different offering receptacles that looked kind of like trumpets. And so we, um, now when we give, most of us give online, or if you give at the little box in the back, you're either giving cash or you're writing a check. So when you put it in, it doesn't make any noise. But in, in, uh, in this context, you have these receptacles. Most people, if they weren't, if they weren't giving animals or, or if they weren't giving produce, they, they were, if they were giving monetarily, it was coins. And so a, a small coin would be dropped and wouldn't make very much noise. But if somebody was putting in a lot of coins, it would make a lot of noise. Not unlike, if you've ever been to a casino, has anyone here, ever, most of us, right? Anyone never been to a casino? Anybody? Any religious folks here? All right. And so, uh, and so... You know, in a casino, you walk through, and even though, if now, if you are playing slots and, and you win big, uh, now typically they just give you a piece of paper that says, hey, you won X amount of money, go and turn it in at the little play. I'm not like this professional gambler or anything. And so, um, but they still, if you win when you're playing slots, they still have it make all this noise, mimicking the noise of all of these coins dropping like it used to be. Used to be if you won big, all these quarters come out, makes this noise, and then, but they still mimic the noise, so everyone thinks that person went one, so I will probably also win. And so, but it was kind of a similar thing in this temple. When people would give, if they, if you would hear the noise of their gift. Let's keep going with the story. So Jesus is sitting down watching where, where folks are giving. He says, many rich people threw in large amounts. So Jesus either knew that it was large amounts because he's the son of God, knows all the things, or more likely it just was making a lot of noise as their offerings were going in. And then it says, but a poor widow came out and had two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. Potentially, we don't know if Jesus is saying than all the others as individuals, or he may even be saying as all the others combined. We don't know for sure. Than all the others, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. I want to share with you a few questions that this story gives us to ask Questions that, that if we're followers of Jesus, we, we would ask ourselves, um, is my kingdom investment, these, that when, we think, when we talk about kingdom investment, we're, we're, when we talk about generosity, we're, we're not just talking about money, we're, we're talking about an overall perspective of my life where, where I recognize that every good thing I have comes from God, it belongs to him, and, and so I go through life with an open hand, an attitude of generosity when it comes to my time, when it comes to my abilities, my talents, and when it comes to my money, or when it comes to my treasure, this open-handed way that I go through life, and, and that where I, I'm looking to use my time and my talents and my abilities to, to advance God's work on earth, God's kingdom. And so questions about our kingdom investment, here's the first question. Is my kingdom investment, my time, talent, treasures, am I doing it so I will get noticed now? Here's what Jesus makes clear. Those who are looking for the most recognition now will get the least later. Those looking for the most recognition now will get the least later. I, the church I grew up in, every, everywhere you turned, there was someone's name on something. 
Hey, so, so-and-so, this was, this was given in honor of, of them, and this was given in honor of them, and this building is named after this person, and this building's named after that person. And, and, and people have asked me, would we ever do that at Life Church? And, and the answer to that is probably not. Nobody's ever given us enough money to make us think about it. And so uh, <laughs> there is an amount of money where we'd be like, would we? Um, but lots of churches you go to, it's like everything that has someone's name on it, oh, as if it was requested, like, hey, I'll give you this if you'll put my name on it. And, and it's this kind of this thing that Jesus is, is talking about when it comes to our kingdom investment, the things, that, the way we're using our time, the way we're using our abilities, the way we're using our, 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 our financial resources, am I doing it primarily so I will get noticed now? And, and, and so he, he makes it clear. He, what really what Jesus is doing is he's reaffirming what he's already taught in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, verse one. He says, be careful not to practice your righteousness or your good deeds in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now Jesus is assuming, and assuming correctly, that we are motivated by rewards. And, and Jesus never discourages that attitude towards life. He actually encourages that attitude towards life. He just wants us, challenges us to think through what rewards am I going after? He says, um, if you do, you'll have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. He's like, hey, don't do it. Don't, don't give so others will see it. Don't let that be your primary motive. He says, then, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. In this culture, there was be, be these regular set times of prayer where everybody would stop what they were doing and pray. And so what some religious people would do is they would make sure that when that time of prayer came, they were in the most populated place so that they could pray super loud and everyone see just how spiritual they were. And so Jesus says, hey, they, they've received a reward. They've received the reward of people thinking they're awesome, and that's the only reward they're going to get. When Jesus talks about the religious leaders before the story of the widow's might, he actually says, hey, these people that are, that are doing these things primarily for their own attention or their own benefit, he says, they're actually not gonna get a reward. They're, they're gonna get a punishment. And so, so Jesus is assuming that we're motivated by rewards. He never acts like that's a bad thing. He challenges us, to, are, are you gonna pursue temporary rewards or are you going to pursue eternal rewards? See, there's two ways in which we get no rewards. One is we get no rewards if we don't seek to make a difference with our life. If we do nothing that honors God, if we do nothing to, to extend God's work on earth through using our time, talent, and treasure, that's a way to not get rewards. But the other way to not get rewards is to do those things, but to do them primarily for the wrong reasons, to do them for your own glory or your own benefit, to draw attention to yourself. And so in this series, what we've seen is we've seen these three ladies we don't know their name. The lady, the lady who anointed Jesus' feet, we don't know her name. The widow of Zarephath, we don't know her name. The widow's mind here, we don't know their name. And here's the thing, none of those ladies care that we don't know their name because they weren't doing the things they were doing in order to be seen by others. They, they, they were doing it for other reasons. And, and, and so the first question we ask is, is my kingdom investment so I will get noticed now? Am I doing it 
to, so I, that I'll, I'll get noticed now. Here's the second thing. Is my kingdom investment, the way I'm seeking to make an impact on earth with my time and my abilities and my finances, is it significant enough to affect how my life feels? Here's the thing. Generosity is less about how much I have and more about how much I have left. You see here, Jesus tells us this story in the NIV. He sits down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money in the temple. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a widow came and put in two very small coins worth only a few cents. Jesus said, I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They gave out of their wealth. She, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live in. See, here's the thing. There's two great misunderstandings we have when it comes to generosity. The first thing is this. We think that generosity is tied to wealth. We think that generosity is something that rich people do, that generosity is for people who have a lot, and it's just not true. That is Jesus' big point here, is that it's, it's, generosity is not about wealth. You have the poorest person here being the absolutely most generous, and generosity is for all of us and will look different for all of us. And so there are these rich people putting in a lot, There's this widow putting in very little, but Jesus says she's the one that actually was more generous. Generosity with our time will look different for different ones of us. If if you are at at a phase of life where you are building your career and you've got a handful of kids and all of their activities, it, it might legitimately be generous for you to set aside two hours every other week to say, I'm gonna dedicate these two hours to make a difference for God's kingdom. That, le- that might be legitimate generosity. There's others of you that maybe your kids are grown, you are fully retired, and, and, and you could, you're, right now you say, hey, I'm investing 15 hours a week in my life to make a difference in this area. It might actually be that the person that is building their career, has a bunch of kids at home, that their two hours every other week might actually be a larger expression of generosity than it might be for the person that just has a whole lot more time. So we think that generosity is tied to wealth. We think that generosity is for people that have a lot. Warren Buffett understands this. He was talking about his $26 billion, billion, $26 billion gift to the Gates Foundation. He says this. He says, my gift has not changed my lifestyle one bit. I still go to the movies. I want to go to and eat at the the restaurants I want to dine at. But what about the person who gives a gift that requires they can't go to the movies or eat out? They are the true givers, the true heroes of generosity. Here's the thing, generosity, get this, is more about the state of our hearts than it is about the state of our bank accounts. Here's the fact, in America, now here's the thing, most of us, not all of us, but most of us would be what you would consider upper middle class or wealthy. Not all, people tend to think of themselves a, a class lower than they actually would be ranked according to those that do these statistics. And so people that are upper middle class to think of themselves as middle class people. And, and so, it's, uh, so most of us would be on this wealthier scale. And in America, poor people, people that would find themselves uh, more on the poorer scale, they give twice as much percentage-wise to charity than, than people that are on the wealthy scale. They give, poor people tend to give twice as much percentage-wise. And so the thing about generosity is not about how much you have, it's about how much you have left. 
read this incredible story about these churches in India and in the state of Mizoram. They had this beautiful phrase to express the way they give to God. Bufai tam. It means one handful of rice at a time. Here's how it works. Families in the church set aside a portion of rice at every meal for God. Now, if I was operating this in my own household, the way it would work in our house is the child that has behaved the, poor, the most poorly today, no rice for you, we're giving that to Jesus. And so, uh, <laughs> when they collect enough rice, they donate it to their local church. The church turns around and sells the rice to generate income, get this. They started doing this over 100 years ago. In 1914, they used the sale of rice to raise $1.50. But lately, these Christians have been collecting $1.5 million as they support 1,800 missionaries in addition to local ministry. People have also started giving in more creative ways, vegetables, firewood, and other resources. There's this one Indian church leader said this. He said, there's many ways of serving the Lord. Some people do great things. Some people are great preachers. Some people contribute lots and lots of money. But when we talk about this handful of rice, it is very humble. The service is done in the corner of the kitchen where nobody sees, but God knows and he blesses it. Another church member said, it is not our richness or our poverty that make us serve the Lord, but get this, but our willingness. So we Mizo people say, as long as we have something to eat every day, we have something to give to God every day. So what the first great misunderstanding when it comes to generosity was we think generosity is tied to wealth. Jesus fully debunks that myth in this story. But the second great misunderstanding is that we think that generosity is what God wants from us. Like as if God somehow needs us. Well, last week, Pastor Jericho talked about the widow of Zarephath, talked about how, how God was literally providing for, for Elijah through ravens and could have continued to do so. But that, so it's, generosity is not something that God wants from us, it's something that God wants for us. That's why when Jesus is quoted in Acts saying, it is more blessed, Makairos, it is more happy, it is better for you, it is more blessed to give than to receive. This is the thing, and, and, and here's the thing. I love it when, when, the, when, the, when something that Jesus said is true, where 2,000 years later, psychologists, sociologists, scientists are coming alongside and saying, you know what? I think that's true. Psychological and scientific study after study have proven what Jesus already said, where Jesus says it's, it's happier to, to, to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Highly generous people, study after study have shown this. Report being satisfied with life and being happy daily more than low generosity respondents. Highly generous people are more likely to believe that life is, is meaningful and be optimistic and be proud of who they are. Uh, highly generous people reported higher scores on the closeness of their relationships, their number of friends, and the number of friends who would help them out of tough situations. Highly generous people are, are happier in, with every factor relating to their jobs and careers. Highly generous people experience more positive measures of mental and physical health. And so, so generosity is not something God wants from us as if somehow he needs us. He has given us this opportunity to partner in this and his work in the world. And it's because it's good for us. It's more blessed to give than to receive. But you see, here's the thing. If my, if my kingdom investment, if my kingdom investment of how I'm using my time and my abilities and my finances, 
If my kingdom investment is only around the margins, then I am missing out on a lot of what God has for me. I love how, G- how Jesus, uh, the, how, how it, it, this reads in the message translation. Let me read this to you. Sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, the truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. Get this next line. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. See, I believe that the generosity that blesses us is the generosity that affects us. See, our our kingdom investment of our time, talent, and treasure should be significant enough that it affects me. If I never miss the money, uh, Warren Buffett, I gave away $26 billion, didn't miss a penny. If I never miss the money, if I never miss the time, if I, I never, nothing ever feels risky or requires faith, that I'm for sure missing out on the joy of living in the kingdom by faith. I'm missing out on part of what Jesus means when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive. It's like this. Imagine this. this there's a difference between giving out of the, the, the kind of the margins of our life, the leftovers of our, of our life. Imagine this. Imagine that, that, that it's uh, you and your spouse and your girlfriend or you and a buddy. It's the two of you are, are going to go um, and, and you're like, hey, it's been a long time since we've had a really nice meal out. It's been since Valentine's Day, since we've gone on a special date. What if, what if we go to, to Ruth's Chris? And uh, early, last, last service afterwards, Someone said, you seem very familiar with Ruth's Chris, or do you go a lot? And I said, the last time I went to Ruth's Chris was like two years ago, and I won a bet with someone on our staff that had to take me. And it's okay to bet dinners, because I would have loved to bought dinner anyway, and pray for me, if, or, you, or you, if you think that's wrong, maybe it's a religious spirit on your part. And so, uh, and so anyway, so I go to Ruth's Chris, and so, so it's, it's so you and your spouse, you're the girlfriend, you're, you're going to Ruth's Chris. And then you say, well, hey, what, what if we invite the Joneses to go with us? Our good friends, the Joneses, what if, we, what if we invite them? And then you're thinking, your first thought is, well, are we going Dutch or does us inviting them mean we're now paying? Because now that $300 dinner is now $600. And you're like, let's go ahead and let's, yeah, let's invite the Joneses. Let's take them out. We love those guys. Let's buy their dinner tonight. It'll be a blast. So you call up the Joneses and say, hey, hey we're going to Ruth's Chris. Do you want to come? We want to pay. And then they come, they go, they come with you, you have this great dinner, the check comes, you don't even wait a minute to grab the check, you grab it fast. They say, hey, let us go ahead and pitch it. You're like, no, we wanna pay. And then they say, they say again, no, let us pitch in. And you say, no, we wanna pay. And then they understand that, that, that you only offer to pay twice. After the second time, you're like, oh, please pay for my food. And so, <laughs> so you buy them this dinner and you have this great time. Go home, they're like, hey guys, that was special, thank you so very much. That meant so very much to us. That you called us, took us to the most special place in town, that meant so very much. But imagine this, Uh, imagine that everything's going the same, you're having the same evening with with your spouse, your girlfriend, whatever, and and you're like, hey, listen, we've not had a special dinner in a long, long time. What if we went to Ruth's Chris, I've not had a great steak in forever, and and then you just, you go to Ruth's Chris, right? Just the two of you. And, And as you're wrapping up the meal, you, you've got a third of your ribeye left. And she's got a third of her crab cake left. 
You've got a quarter of a, of a molten chocolate lava cake left. And then you, you're like, hey, well, what if we had the, 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 the staff here box this up and let's drop it off to the Joneses on the way home? And like you're driving home, you go by the Joneses' house, like, hey, guys, we were at Ruth's Chris. We had this epic dinner and this was our leftovers. We wanted to give it to you. And so here you go. And it's like, it's one thing to bring leftovers for your children. They don't know any different. <laughs> or your dog. But your best friends are like, here's a two-thirds eaten ribeye and a two-thirds eaten crab cake, neither one of which is gonna reheat well. Two bites of a chocolate lava cake, that's what it, that's what it is when we give from the leftovers. That's what it is when we give from the margins. And that Jesus said, these rich, these rich people, that's what they're doing. They're just sort of giving out of the leftovers. They never even notice it's gone, but there was this lady who didn't give, give out of the margins or give out of the leftovers. She give, gave in a way that she felt it. She felt it by her investment. Here's the third thing, and we're done. Is my kingdom investment reflecting the generosity of Jesus? So I've got to ask myself, am I doing this so that I'll get noticed now? Or am I doing this for rewards later? Am I doing, is my kingdom investment, my time, talent, treasure, is it, is it significant enough that I actually feel it in my life where I have to choose to do this or this with my time or my talent or my treasures? Is it affecting my life? Then the third thing, is it reflecting the generosity of Jesus? Here's what I believe. It's not 100% clear in the scripture, but here's what I really believe. I believe that Jesus sees a picture of himself in this widow's generosity. And Mark 12, 44, they all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Message translation, this poor widow gave more than the collection, all the others put together, all the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Literally, if you're looking at the original Greek, this text of Mark, what Jesus actually says is she gave out of her poverty she put in everything, even her whole life. That word translated livelihood, it's from the, the word bios, bion, where we get our word biology. It's, it's as if Jesus is saying that, that she, gave, she gave everything. She gave even her whole life. And I just can't help but think that as Jesus is saying that, that he's thinking about his own words, where he said, the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. I, I think that, that Jesus saw a picture of himself, that this was a gospel picture. And, and so how do we make kingdom investment, time, talent, treasure in ways that reflect the gospel of Jesus? Here's the first thing. It, it, we do it when it's a willing choice. When, when we give willingly, we, we have the opportunity to reflect what Jesus has done. See, Jesus willingly gave his life. Jesus said in John 10, 18, no one takes my life from me but I lay it down on my own accord. Jesus chose to go to the cross on our behalf, chose to take our sin upon himself. And so when, I, when we give willingly, we're reflecting the gospel. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse six, Paul is challenging this church there in their generosity, and he says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. We don't give because we have to, but give because we want to. 
Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. Literal word, there's a word hilarious. God loves a hilarious giver. If you want to write jokes on your giving, that's totally good. And so, uh, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you'll be able to abound in every good work. Our, our, our kingdom investment, time, talent, treasure, reflects the gospel when we're doing it because we want to, when it is a willing choice. Here's the second thing. Our, 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 our generosity reflects the gospel when it is from a heart of love. Why did Jesus die? Why did, why, it's for God so loved the world he gave. Jesus, the Father sent the Son because he loves us. And so when our giving is, is, is motivated out of love, we, we are reflecting the gospel. And maybe you're here and you're not even sure what you think about Jesus. Maybe someone brought you today and, 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 and you're not sure what you think about Jesus. But I want you to know this. I'm sure what he thinks about you. He's crazy about you. He loves you to the point where he willingly loved you so much chose to come and die in my place, in your place. He loves you. And so he gave himself out of love, and when we give out of love, we reflect the gospel. Here's the third thing. Our giving reflects the gospel. Our generosity reflects the gospel. Our kingdom investment reflects the gospel when it comes as a, as a response to the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter eight, verse seven. Paul's challenging this church and their generosity. He says, but since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we've kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I am not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. So he's challenging them in giving, and then here's what he does. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And here's the thing, maybe you're here, you're not sure what you think about Jesus. And maybe someone brought you here and you're like, hey, this idea that, that anybody would be generous like this with their time or their abilities or their money, it seems absolutely insane. And I would tell you this, I would fully agree with you if I didn't believe that Jesus had fully given himself for me and for you. And, and so when Paul says, hey, hey, I wanna challenge you in your generosity, and I want you to understand that, and, and he points to the gospel, and he says, he who was rich, and he's not talking about money, he's talking about everything. He says, he who became rich became poor. Not that you who were poor, again, not talking about money, might become rich. Here's what he's talking about. He, he's saying God loves you so much that, that Jesus came to trade places with you and that he being rich and that, that, that rich, speaking of, of being fully perfect and, and, bro, and not broken at all and, and fully perfect and, and, and with, with, with every good thing, that he might become poor. It's this idea that Jesus took everything wrong and broken in me, any punishment I would ever deserve, any sin I'd ever committed, that he, he traded places, he took it on himself, that he who was rich in every way and me being poor in every way, we switched places where all of my poverty in every way went on him and all of his wealth in every way went on me. If, if I didn't believe that was true, then, then this idea of living a life 
that's marked with going around saying, hey, God is the giver of every good thing. And I'm gonna go through life with an open hand with my time and my abilities and my finances, recognizing everything's a gift from God to be stewarded for him, to make much of him and his kingdom. But here's a couple of final questions. Is my kingdom investment so I get noticed now? A time, talent, treasure. Is my kingdom investment significant enough that I even notice it in my life? Is it, is it significant enough to make a difference? And is my kingdom investment reflecting the gospel? Let me pray for you. So Father, we do just confess you are the ultimate giver, the giver of life, the giver of every good thing, the giver of new life in Christ. And Lord, I pray that, that you would be working in our lives so that generosity of time, talent, treasure, making an impact on your, for your kingdom's sake, your work in the world, being a part of what you're doing here on earth now, and our time and our talents and our treasure. Lord, that you'd be so working in our hearts that we would just want to, that it wouldn't be a have to, but that we would want to, and that we would want to in increasing measure as a response to your goodness. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this, and you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.